Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ja, välkommen till denne, ska man kalla det sommarspecial nummer 2. Vi hade ju en episode ganska tidig i sommar med Shay Knight som folk falt i smak hos folket. Denne gången så är er det en annan viktig stöttespelare som ska få lite taletid och det är er ju en man som jag tror de flesta uh, av de, de helt største geeks så vet de kanskje at uh, hvilke forhold han mellom han og Victor er men for de aller fleste så er nok Eduardo Molinari uh, kanskje et kjent navn fordi han er jo en, en god golfspiller men uh, han er jo mest kjent uh, ja, han er jo faktisk mest kjent for å være golfspiller men uh, <laughs> uh, han har jo blitt kjent uh, de siste par ja. årene uh, gjennom rett og slett å utvikle sitt eget analyseverktøy mm. Uh, og det er jo noe Victor Hovland selvfølgelig uh, har tent litt på og rett og slett um, uh, inngått et samarbeid da, med, mm. med Eduardo Det er det absolut. altså Eduardo er jo ja, det er som du sier man glemmer når man tenker på han som statsmann til Victor så er det litt ufortjent uh, for han har uh, US Amateur vinner, han har uh, Det er vel tre seire, ja, det får vi jo vite nå i intervjuet, så skal vi få lære han å kjenne litt bedre, men han er spilt Ryder Cup, spilt på turen lenge, vunnet på turen, og er jo til og med da assisterende Ryder Cup-kaptein. Blev valgt ut av Henrik Stensson, som da, Henrik Stensson er jo som alle vet ut av det, og nå er det jo Luke Donald som har tatt over, men Molinari skal fortsatt være assisterende Ryder Cup-kaptein, så, og broren hans heter jo da Francesco Molinari, og er majorvinner. Så väldigt väldigt bra golffamilj må man kunne se si där. De två ja. bröderna spelade Ryder Cup så han har ju massor historier. Vi rakar inte att in på allt av de historierna för vi fokuserade för det mesta på hans statistik och arbete med Victor och de andra stora spelarna som är er i staben hans där. Så han prövar att jonglera den jobben här samtidigt med att han fortsatt spelar också. Mm. Så lite nördigt att prata men men väl värt det syns nog jag då. Ja. Det er jo litt, det er jo nerdene som hører på dette her som regel, så <laughs> ja, det, er det, det faller nok i smak. 
men uh, vi ska snart uh, spela det intervju. Uh, det blir väldigt bra men uh, lite först så tänker vi bara uh, ge folk en liten statusupdatering när det gäller vår man. Um, mm. för uh, nu har du gått några nuger siden uh, både med vad hade sista podd i men och siden Viktor var i aktion och uh, siden han var då kom på fjärde plats i de öppen så har han returnerat till Norge. Mm. Han har varit här nu i, i snart två uger och drar nu på torsdag eh, till Memphis. Jag presterade ju säkert säg söndag i den första tweeten jag lade ut i dag. Det var ju väldigt bra gjort. Det säger bara lite färre mot att hänger lite igen. Sång var det när du är på Beverly på måndag Ja, det var fruktligt senare där igår. Nej, så han drar ut tillbaka då på på torsdag allerede, och så ska han ha sig ett par gode dagar med Jeff Smith. Eh, mm. hans tränare um, och så är er ju eh, väldigt convenient då att uh, turneringen också ska spelas i Memphis. Uh, så då blir yeah. det kort väg därifrån att uh, turneringsområdet hvor uh, det ska brakelös i FedEx slutspelet och rapporterna Marius, de säger att Victor uh, han eh, har han har alltså den formen han hade i det öppen den har han tagit med sig in i in i Norges ferien. Ja, nej de drog på en liten roadtrip upp till Lofoten han och Kevin och två andra kompisar Sander Henden och Sander Stavnar kostade sig väl i två dagar i full storm och så fick de ju då spela vanlig golf kan man kunde kalla det en dag och då gick han ju en runda på 800 där och så ja, han har väl gått en runda på 1000 på Ostön och så en 800 runda på på Holtsmark också. Eh och varit och tränat lite runt på banor i Östlandet så jag snackade lite grann med han idag och den meddelingen som jag liksom bet mig märke var att han sa att Faden är er tillbaka. Och det betyder ju det som det betyder är er att den är er tillbaka naturligt att nå kan han igen stole på att tänka. Och så är er det sånt de flesta de flesta här i världen, de förbinder de tre gyllene ord med tre andra ord än Faden är er tillbaka, men Faden är er tillbaka det är er för mig nästan lika gott som att höra de tre magiska orden som de Ja, det kan du, det kan du i för sig se. Si. Men ja, det, det betyder bara att han, at han har kontroll på slagspillet. Mm. Och vi vet ju att hvis han har kontroll på slagspillet så är er det väldigt många andra ting som har en tendens att falla på plats. Som vi jo fick bevis på i de öppen att när han slår bara bra så faller en del av de andra tingen på plats också. Så jag spurtade med jag spurtade egentligen bara han om jeg, om det var grejt att sätta pengar på på samlet seger i FedEx Cup. Eh och där bara drog han lite grann på smilebandet och så snackade jag med Jaran som spelade med han på Holtsmark. Og han også sa att han sa väl också jag tappade glatt. Jeg jag vurderar om jag ska sätta pengar på han allerede nästa vecka. Så, så det betyder att det när där han har en kontroll och då har vi massa att glädja oss till och så får man då se om det resulterar i några goda prestationer men vi vet ju att han eh, gjorde det jättebra i FedEx Cup slutspel i fjor. Eastlake är er på Eastlake. Eastlake är er en megat god bana för han. Eh, Memphis har han ju lite sån kanske en liten chip on the shoulder åt det på sig alltså lite sån och bevisa och lite revanschlust på spelet bra på den banan. Vad det ospel med tanke på chip. Det är inte sant. Jag menar att han har skänkt en chip där på Memphis och ja. Men han har väl en liten sån kanske lite revansch där då så men det handlar ju för det första bara om att komma sig till Atlanta. det ska väl nog gå bra vill jag tro men komma sig dit är er ju en massiv prestation vart en står och det ser det ut som man ska klara i år igen. Ja. men var ju inom det förr i podd att det är er ju självklart farligt att jämföra tidigare år 
och sån men uh, nu är er det ju självklart det som kan ske för det är er ju fyra dubbla uh, poäng mm. i dessa två första turneringarna som då är er uh, vi ska ju självklart ha en fylldig FedEx Cup podd uh, nästa vecka men vi kan ju uh, vi kan ju pirka lite i överfladen här och säga si att uh, det är er tre tre turneringar och de två första ger fyra dubbla poäng. Mm. Uh, och det betyder ju självklart att här kommer det att bli enorm utslag. Eh uh, akkurat nu så är er Viktor på 19 plats. Han är er 400 poäng cirka uh, föran Maverick McNeely som uh, i förbiblicke inne där inne har den sista den tredje och sista platsen. Mm. Uh, och det är er ju klart att uh, Viktor uh, Patrick Reed var väl sista man som kom in i fjol på 1330 eller något sånt och nu har Viktor 1314. Så det är er ju klart att uh, hvis du ska se på fjora så är er det ju en uh, en kötte och så är er han safe men uh, det kan ske sjuka ting och jag tror nog med må tänka att uh, med må nog ha en alltså få få en topp 20 placering i för exempel då i i St Jude så är er det good to go. Ja, och så bara blir det ju väldigt topptungt då med fyra dubbelt fyra dubbelt ja. så det blir ju väldigt sån Altså den points distribution blir jo veldig sånn, uh, uh, ja, topptung egentlig er godt ja. beskrevet. Uh, ja. For da blir det sånn at de vil jo skje, skille enda mer på uh, toppen. Altså de vil jo få enda, mm, første, du, får 2000, du får 2000 for førsteplassen da. Uh, og så får du liksom også, mens, mens firedobbelt av en, vad ska man ta fyrdubbelt av en uh, 29 plats, ikke sant? Det är er ju fyrdubbelt av 30 poäng. Mm. Så det blir 30 60 90 120 poäng bara bara i godsögon. Ja. Mot uh, 2000 eller hvis du blir nummer 6 alene så får du 400 poäng plötsligt. Mm. Så ja, det är er ju helt klart att det har vi sett tidigare att uh, Billy Horshall vant ju sin Fedex Cup, uh, även om det var en stund tillbaka vi och være helt rå i selve playoffs. Ja. Så, og så har vi Nei, dette systemet som vi skal sikkert komme in på neste uke da, i siste ja. turneringen. Jeg håper å si at vi, vi må spare litt krutt. Ja, vi får gjøre det. <laughs> Men det som i hvert fall er sikkert, det er jo bare sånn for å legge forutsetningene, det er jo at Viktor eh, trenger en topplasering minst eh, en av to turneringer for att ha en, kall det historisk sett, i hvert fall en realistisk sjans til å vinne fedderskøpet totalt. Ja. Um, men här är er ju här kommer kommer det att ske så mycket för eh uh, man ser bort ifrån Scotty Scheffler då som ju leder Fedeskuppen med över 1000 poäng det är er ju helt elvilt. Mm. Uh, jag tror aldrig Fedeskuppen har sett uh, en spelare ha över 3500 poäng. Nej, han i playoffs och uh, tänker man då på att Cam Smith på andra plats har 2003 så mm. säger det ju bara lite att ja vinner du så får du 2000 poäng då är er du då är er du topp 3 då fort mm. visst du visst du ligger topp i alla fall visst du ligger topp 30. Ja, är ja, inte sant och så är er det självklart avhängigt av hur de andra gör det runt dig och sånt men det är er ju ända fler spelare som är er med i de första turneringen och där är er det ju 125 stycken i den första i Memphis. men för Victor Schnell så vill jag jag har ett liksom hopp att han ska komma sig nära en 10:e plats då. och då är er han väl runt runt 300 rätt under 400 kanske poäng rätt under 400 poäng bak på Matsuyama på 10:e plats så det ska det går ju är er väldigt möjligt att hämta in på två turneringar. 
Mm. Så vi kan komma och blanda sig upp i närheten av topp 10 så att vi går in i Tour Championship runt en tidig plats som var väl runt 11, 12 eller något sånt i fjor. så det syns jag är er ett realistisk målsättning och vinner han en av de playoffsträngarna så är er han ju helt där uppe men kommer sig in topp 10 så så är er han ju på striking distance absolut. Ja. Och det är er klart att nu ska ju med nu ska ju med ta för gitt att han kommer till Tour Championship men det är er klart att i en normal setting så gör han nu det och då är er ju frågsmålet många ställer sig kan man för att Victor ska kunna vinna fälleskuppen och då då måste han nog ha en topp tre placering minst i en av de två nästa turneringarna helst ja, vinna faktiskt. Ja i alla fall ha kanske två två sen skulle klart att samla upp en to, en liksom en typ 14:e plats och 5:e plats eller sånt så vill han ju samla ja. en god del poäng också så Du bör vara topp 5 du bör vara topp 5 heading into Eastlake för att Ja ja i alla fall du måste i alla fall vara du måste absolut inte vara utanför topp 10 där blir det för tufft så ja. helst helst i närheten av topp 5 för att ha en god möjlighet. Det är er bra. Då har vi snackat nog om fälleskapen. Det kommer vi som sagt tillbaka till nästa vecka, men ehm jag får snabbt nämna att det är NM den uken då. Det måste ju Ja, det det måste man ju glömma. NM ja. på Gamle Fredrikstad så de som bor i området må komma bort och mm. säga si hej. Jag vet ju du ska väl vara alla fyra dagar. Ja, vi har sammandragssändningar från torsdag, fredag och lördag så är er det väl live på söndag då. Så ja. det Kroger er där och Arne är er där och sånt så då Det blir moro. Det blir oavsett. Ja, jag kommer pröva att komma in på lördag faktiskt så får se om det öppnas in möjligheter. Ja. Bra. Ehm, um, kan ju nämna att det är er det är er ju faktiskt en PGA-turnering där nu här och det är er den sista turneringen i regular season det är er Wyndham Championship. Jag ska lägga ut jag ska lägga ut sändetiden där. Ehm um, för för den går igång och där är er det ju klart att um, Det kan nu ske ting på FedEx köprankingen som ger grej utslag allerede. Alltså den nu här också det är er ju plötsligt Viktor kanske nummer 22 för exempel. <laughs> ja, Men um, uansett så föll jag för mig ganska trygg att uh, det ska gå fint att komma sig till Atlanta och så är er ju frågsmålet vilket utgångspunkt uh, ja. han får. Men uh, det var det om ting som kommer nu får man ta Eduardo Mm. Og folk får kosa sig med det Og så er vi tilbake Tippe neste tirsdag ja. Før St. Jude Som er den første FedEx-turneringen Og så skal jo jeg ned På BMW Championship i Gryteborg Og så skal du og Karsten ned på Tour Championship Så dekning av våre av FedEx-sluttspillet Kommer til å være prima Ja Men nu altså Marius sitter sin prat med Eduardo Molinari, Victor Hovland sin nya statsguy får man väl kalla han. Hur ska det? Uh, right Eduardo, thanks for joining us on our, our podcast. Um, first of all, I know you uh, from before. I know you're a pretty decorated golfer yourself, so for all our Norwegian followers, uh, you have to tell us a little bit first who you are and uh, about your golfing career as well. Yeah, so I'm uh, 41 years old now. So towards the end or second half of my career, at least, uh, I turned pro in 2006. I won the US Amateur in 2005. I was a pretty good amateur, but never, I would say, I, I never saw myself winning something as big as that. So then um, I turned pro about a year later after after the Open. I think you, am I right in saying you won a silver medal at that Open? 
Yeah, that's that's right. In in two thousand and six, Royal Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's oh, right. I couldn't, I couldn't beat you for for I made the cut. <laughs> I wasn't good enough. That's the, probably the only time I've beaten you, though. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then I turned pro. I spent a couple of years. Well, one year on Challenge Tour, got my card, then lost it, and then regained it from Challenge Tour. And then I I played on tour since uh, uh, the beginning of two thousand and ten onwards. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to play Ryder Cup at the end of uh, 2010 at Celtic Manor. Yeah, with your brother. Yeah, with Francesco, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we won by, by half a point. Yeah. Uh, and then I won three times on tour. Uh, last time was in 2017. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've been playing on tour ever since. And uh, obviously, it's been a long career. It's been great fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as you know, as maybe some of the guys listening knows as well, it's um, I've always been into stats, yeah, an engineering degree. So before turning pro, I studied engineering in Italy because yeah. at the time it wasn't uh, it wasn't a big thing uh, going to the US to college. Only very few guys went, uh, and so I studied engineering in Italy. And then I I've always been into my my own stats, so I have all my shots recorded since 2003 okay so it's a, it's a lot it's a big database now that's a lot of golf shots yeah it's a lot of golf, <laughs> yeah it's um and so about three years ago i will say just before covid so towards the end of 2019 a few tour players came to me asking me if i could help them with the stats initially it was yeah. just stats and a little bit of course management yeah and um Basically, there was another company that I'm not going to name today, but uh, they were on tour. They were, you know, charging a fortune, and, and the service wasn't very good. Mm. So it was a big opportunity for me. And uh, during COVID, I, I developed a little bit of a platform, and uh, and that's the you know what we use now. And uh, and I want to say, yeah, I would say now it's a little bit. I would say the stats. It's, it's pretty much the finished product. But then what we're trying to develop now much, much more is like the course management, the strategy to kind of help players, especially tour players, uh, saving uh, shots here and there, which which is huge. Yeah, because I don't think, uh, as I speak to a lot of amateur golfers back home in Norway, and there's a big interest there as well. Uh, growing interest with Victor as well. Uh, is it like, I don't, uh, you can maybe tell even more that how important the course management and the strategy part is to the professionals how much time yeah. they, they, they spend on it? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, up until a few years ago, that was the main reason to hire good caddies uh, because obviously they maybe they had been around for a few years and they knew, you know, which pins you could get to, which pins were difficult, how to play certain holes in certain conditions. Yeah. And then in the last few years, uh, there's been more and more uh, use of shuttling data where, you know, with shotling, you can basically have a look at all the players in the field, every hole, every tournament, whatever you want. It's mm-hmm. just there, you just have to dig in the data and uh, and then it's very easy to find solutions. So all of a sudden you can see that, you know, on a certain hole with a certain pin, it's better to lay up than going for it. And then other pins, you should always go for it. And then sometimes when it's like 50-50, then it, it's more dependent on, on the player on you know on, the, on how the player sees the hole on, on the player's skills so mm. for example if you know if someone is 
a great driver of the golf ball and great with wedges. Uh, it might make sense to hit a few more drivers to have more wedges in, even if mm. that's not the same for all the players. Mm. And the other way around, sometimes you've got a guy who's struggling with a driver, but he's great with mid-irons, all of a sudden it doesn't make any sense to, to push it to off the tee because then you're just going to take more risk and there's no, not much reward. Yeah, so what's, uh, like in in your eyes, what, what are the key goals about the statistic golf, as it's called? How is it designed to, to help the best players in the world? Well, as I said, initially it was only about stats. So we were trying to uh, look at each player game and find weaknesses, find areas where they could improve. Um, and it, it was like there's a lot of details that, that goes into it. So like we get wind direction, we get the type of shot they're trying to hit, whether it's like a draw, fade, a three-quarter shot. Uh, I mean, they can enter whatever they want pretty much. Uh, we also gather where the ball lands in relation to their target. That's why we need some of their help, either the player themselves or the caddies, because there's a, we get some data of shot link and then some data we need the help of the player and the caddy. Yeah, and and just using that basically, we're creating for each player. Each player now we have like a dispersion on the golf course, so it is exactly the same as you would get on the trackman on the range, but we have it on the golf course under tournament conditions. Okay. And then using that, all of a sudden you can see that sometimes the player with the wind of the right, he tends to miss it a few yards left of his targets, or when the pin is on the left side, he's always too defensive and he always pushes it. Mm. And so you, you you basically with the stats we're giving them advice on on what they need to get better where they're losing shots where they're gaining shots mm. it's it's both uh, it's both sides of the coin so they have everyone knows what his weaknesses are but also they know their strengths so if someone is very good with driver with wind of the left anytime there's wind of the left he just knows that he's going to hit you know hit driver because it's the best club in the bag yeah exactly. And, um, so that's all to do, I would say, with stats. And then, uh, yeah. the as I said before, the, the big thing now is uh, proper course management. So using all those stats to try and make you play better and shoot lower scores, which yeah. is uh, a little bit tricky because it's uh, <laughs> yeah. obviously, you know, there, there's a lot that needs to go into it. Yeah. But then once you once you get it right, it's unbelievable how many shots you can save. And, and you know, to these players, when you save them, even if it's one shot a week, mm. it's a lot of money, it's world ranking points, it's, I mean, it, it could be huge to them. So it's, uh, there's a lot of interest, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And uh, of course, we, we uh, wanted to have you on to hear about this thing as well, because uh, there's a lot of interest, as I said, but uh, also because you from New Year started working with our national golfing hero back in Norway yeah. with uh, with Victor Hovland. First of all, how did how did uh, when when did you first meet him and how did how did you start working with uh, with Victor? Well, it was a funny one because um, last year I qualified for U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. Yeah, and um, I went. I want to say four or five years ago. I went to Las Vegas to for a golf lesson with Jeff Smith. I was yeah. struggling at the time and I just went there for three days and I spent three days with Jeff when he was still almost unknown to, to the golfing world. Yeah. And, uh, and I really liked him and we just uh, stayed in touch. And then last year at the US Open, um, I got there and I finished playing nine holes, I think it was on a Monday. And I saw Jeff with Victor on a chipping ring. And yeah. I just went by to say hello to Jeff. 
and Jeff straight away, you know, he introduced me to Victor, um, and then he said, Victor, you should, you know, you should hear what Eduardo does, and you know what, because Jeff knew I was doing like stuff for a few guys, um, so we set up a practice round on the Wednesday. We played nine holes, uh, never played with Victor before, mm. and after three, four holes. I think it was the 13th at Torrey Pines. It's like a par five, yeah, uh, uh, where you can go for it. You can lay up depending on the wind. And they started asking questions. What do you think here? Do you think he's a layup? Do you think we should go for it? What what we should do? I tried to reply to the best of my abilities back then. And then next all, it was similar. It was like, is it driver here or is it a three wood? Is it should we go for it? Should we lay up? And mm. then 15 again, so like the last six <laughs> was like I almost felt like it was an interview. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was great fun. And the amazing thing was that both, you know, Victor was almost in the top 10 in the world. Uh, Shay, he's been catting for many, many years. Mm. And both of them were like very interested and they were, you know, uh, asking the right questions and they were really paying attention to what I was saying. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of the week, we both fly back to BMW. Yeah, uh, that's right. In Europe. And we were on the same plane. I said, Victor, you know, if you want to know more about what I do, we can have a chat. Uh, just, you know, leave me your number and we sort it out. So then um, I helped him a little bit because he never played Munich before. So during the week, I just gave him some advice on like, you know, which clubs to hit off the tee on certain holes, which pins to take on, just a little bit of course management. Yeah. And, and obviously he won. Nothing to do with me, but he won the tournament. <laughs> And then a week later, sure enough, I get a text from Victor saying, right, you know, I, I need, uh, I want to talk to you and I want to understand exactly how yeah. you do it, what you do. And then we yeah. chatted a few times and then after the, um, I saw him again at Wentworth just before the Ryder Cup. Uh, but he obviously was very busy, he was trying to make the team, then it was Ryder Cup and he saw me and I said, Victor, you know, if you want to, if you're still interested, just, you know, give me a shout. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So. And then a month later, he called me and said, right, I want to I wanna start from the beginning of 2022. I would like mm. to, you know, get you know, fully on board. And I said, yeah, great, fantastic. Yeah. And then we, what we do is, um, like, we play the practice round in Abu Dhabi, Dubai. Obviously, he won in Dubai. Uh, yeah. And he seems uh, very happy. I mean, it's, the thing is, with a player like that, it's very easy to work with because... Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, in his case, it's pretty obvious what he needs to work on, what his strengths are. And all of a sudden, it becomes also quite easy compared to other players, giving him advice on how to play certain holes. Mm. Uh, and so what we do is basically, at the beginning of the week, either Victor or Shay would just send me a text with, can, can you tell us please what you think of holes 3, 7, 12, 14, 18? Yeah, and just uh, reply to them, telling them what what they should do, and then off they go. And then uh, recently, so I would say in the last since U.S. Open, basically, yeah, uh, we started looking at live data as well. So when they play in the afternoon, we yeah. have the ability to go in, have a look at what's been happening in the morning, and then kind of advise them on on what's the best play on certain holes. Which I think it's it's the next step. It's uh, but it's going to be uh, absolutely. Because it's especially like St. Andrews, for example, you know, knowing that, you know, on certain holes with a certain pin on a given day, it was better to hit driver or to lay up or to go down the left side of the fairway or the right side of the fairway. It's just, uh, you know, at his level, I think it's it's huge and, and 
you know, he's always been very, very, you know, happy with me. And, you know, he seems, uh, he seems like he, he appreciates what I do. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, because that's an interesting point, because when uh, we were there at the Bay Hill uh, in March, yeah. when, he, when he played uh, really well, uh, yeah. probably should probably... If yeah. you ask him himself, he should probably tell you that he, he should have won that tournament. But yeah. uh, and I remember from the practice round because I walked along with them and uh, hole number three, the par three around the water, no par four yeah. around the water. I remember I hit the drive in the water and yeah. I, I just heard him say, "Text Eduardo." Uh, yeah. I heard Victor <laughs> say to Shay, and I was like, "Oh." The, then I just let them talk, finish, and then I asked mm-hmm. Shay going down the fairway, "What uh, can you please just let me know what Eduardo says?" That's going to be. Very yeah. interesting for me to know to transmit out to to our viewers. Uh, yeah. So, is that the kind of thing you work on on practice days? Like, if they have certain, like you said, if they yeah. have certain things, they're curious. Because I understood that there was a big discussion if if it's a three with or if it's a driver or, uh, on that type yeah. of hole. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, there was a typical example where um, I think it was actually I don't know whether it was a practice round or a pro-am, but I remember getting this text from Shay. I said, we're yeah. on the 30, we just see driver in the water, what do you think he plays here? So obviously, you know, it takes probably 10 to 15 minutes, so I have to log in, have a look at shot link, and then we have a system where we overlay Victor's tee shot over the hole, and, and so we know how many times he's going to hit the fairway going on a certain target line, we can shift the target line if we need to. And then basically the system spits out, right? If he hits driver, he's going to have, you know, scoring average would be 3.9. If he hits three wood, it's going to be 4.0. And then he's going to make, you know, maybe 20% birdies with driver, 15% birdies with three wood. And then, so we have all the, all the possible outcomes and then mm. send it back to him. Most of the times it's pretty obvious. Yeah. And then other times when it's like very, very close, all of a sudden, it depends on like wind conditions and where the pin is, maybe how the rough is in certain spots. But I would say 90% of the of the of the plays that we discussed, they're they're pretty obvious and they're not really pin dependent or, or weather dependent. Yeah, because I think on number three, most people 
who watch it on TV, even along the sidelines, would think that, okay, with the water, with the bunker, yeah. uh, it's probably best to hit a three with. But then yeah. I understood that looking at the numbers uh, with his... So that's, yeah. I guess that's how you work with his yeah. strength with the driver. It's more useful for him to take it on. Yes. Yeah, but I think I'm going off the top of my head now, but I think yeah. third hole at Bay Hill, basically, if he hits the driver, he can cover the first five to ten yards of the water on the left. So yeah. unless he hit a big pull, he's going to clear that. And then if he blocks it right, he's going to be so far down that A, he doesn't have water in front, because it's yeah. a sharp dog leg left. Yeah. And two, he's got a shot from the rough from 120, 30 yards. So he can always, you know, even if it's a bad lie, he can chunk something and then hit it to the front edge of the green. Yeah. So it's almost like driver is the most conservative play, even if it doesn't sound like. Not only yeah. makes he makes a lower score on average, but he's also most more conservative because if he's the three wood, all of a sudden if he misses it left, he's straight in the water. And as soon as he missed the fairway on the right, he's got a shot from 160 yards over water. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's going to be very very difficult to to make a par anyway. Yeah, so that's interesting. It's uh, yeah, and that's that's typical of of what we do, and that was a, yeah a very good example. Yeah, uh, I heard you mention uh, earlier that uh, he asked a lot of questions and stuff, and that's what we have learned as well. Talking mm -hmm. to Jeff and talking to other people around Victor, that he's very curious. Yeah. And when I've talked to him as well, he's very curious. He asks questions. He never just chats along accepting what you say he wants to dig deeper is that the impression you have of him as well that he's uh oh yeah he's yeah, very curious very very like very thorough with how he approaches uh, the game yeah absolutely and that's and i think that's one of the reasons why we get along so well with each other uh, mm -hmm. because he would ask a question i try and, and reply again to the best of my abilities as in depth as i can yeah. But then there's always like another question coming back, saying, all right, so then why why this is happening or why should I do this or why mm. I see someone else hitting three wood and I should be hitting driver. So he's yeah. always, he wants to understand the, the the reasons behind it. But I have also to I had to say that once once you give him a, a good reply and something that he likes, he's right, mm. very, very good at committing to it. That's right. This is you no, know, I've understood, I've got it, this is the play, finished. Yeah. So, and uh, like, what's uh, now you've been working for uh, the whole season so far? What's the most important thing you've noticed about Victor's game, and how does he kind of separate himself from other players you've been working with? Because you have like this Patrick Peters, yeah. you have a lot of good players now yeah. that uh, uses your kind of system. What's uh, what's been your impression so far? Well, I think um, especially in the beginning of the season, like the first three, four months when he was playing really, really well, I would say until until the Masters. And then he started to play a little bit worse, but that's normal because you can't play the tournament for, you know, all season. Can you repeat that, please? Because Norwegian fans are like, what's happening now that when they play oh, bad? Oh, no, no, no. That's not, I mean, you know, when, if, if when you're not on top four, you finish top five in the Open with a chance to win on Sunday, I think you're, you're looking good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So... Yeah, the beginning of the season, I think, well, or let's say when, when Victor is on top form, when he's playing well, I've said this to him many times, there's not another player in the world which is better of the tee. It could be between him, John Ram. I mean, I would pick Victor over Rory of the tee because Victor is much more consistent. Yeah. It might not be as long as Rory, but Rory sometimes, even when he's playing really well, he might hit a driver 40 yards of line. 
with Victor, it just doesn't happen. Mm. Um, and then the other massive strength that Victor has is like long and mid irons. So like from from the four iron to the seven, eight iron is probably again top five in the world. So when you combine how good it is of the tee with like long and mid irons, all of a sudden you have courses where when he's playing well, it's it's going to be almost impossible to beat him. So mm. Bay Hill would have been one of them. Uh, anytime there's like a, a long golf course with relatively wide fairways, but like with a lot of rough or a lot of water, a lot of danger of the tee, he's going to be so difficult to beat because he's just going to be in play all day. He's going to hit 15, 16 greens every day. Yeah. He's going to make a few parts because he's a good putter as well. Yeah. And so it's uh, all of a sudden when, when I think it's when the winning score is between 10 to 14 under, I think it's going to be extremely difficult to beat Victor if he's playing yeah. well. Uh, have you found like because have you found um, uh, with with exactly what you said now with uh, uh, with how like his strengths are with uh, yeah. is is that sort of how you set up his game as well? Knowing that the long mid irons are so good, short irons yeah. as all wedges are maybe not that good. Is yeah. is that something you kind of set up the strategy? As well, yeah, to try we, to avoid avoid the wedges, if I can say that. And yeah, I would talk. say we're not trying to avoid the wedges, but like on certain holes, when there's a lot of risk, he, so my idea with him would be that he needs to be hitting drivers as much as he possibly can. Mm. But obviously, there's going to be certain holes where hitting driver takes some risk into account, and then if by hitting driver he leaves himself a wedge or a nine iron, then it doesn't make any sense to hit it because you're yeah. putting more risk of the tee and then he's so good at hitting like if he hits three with seven iron you give him a 20 yard wide fairway and a 15 yard wide green he's always going to hit fairway and green yeah. so it doesn't really make any sense to try and push the driver because then he's not gonna well he's good with wedges but he's not as good as he is with like six seven iron yep so it's all like you know risk and reward and i think like bay hill this year was a typical course where we dis- well, I texted him earlier in the week, I remember, and I said, right, I think, he-, he asked me, he didn't tell me how he played the course before, but he yeah. asked like a few holes, like number eight, I remember, number yeah. 11, uh, number three, and it was all like four or five times, it was like the the other option that he picked in the last few years. So like last few years, I think he always been hitting three or down three, and we hit driver this year. He always hit driver down eight, driver down eleven, and said no. This yeah, was, that's right. He hit three wood, three wood, and it was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, trust me, because you're gonna, you know, with three wood, the fairway is wider. You're never gonna miss it. You're gonna have seven or eight iron into the green, which is perfect for you. And then yeah. scoring is gonna be difficult this week, so you don't need to shoot twenty under. Yeah. And obviously, sure enough, he had a, he had a chance to win on Sunday, and uh, I mean. When he's playing well, it's it's just so easy with him because you just give him chances and he's going to make a few paths and he makes very few bogeys. Yeah, because that's what he said as well uh, when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago that like he's always going to try to use the driver. Yeah. Uh, like in in first, that's going to be his first thought. Is is that kind of how you have to go about using his aggressive playing style when you when you like working with the stats? Is that how you you have probably have to like start with the driver and then uh, work back if. Is that kind of how we have to go around yeah. and go with it? I would say, yeah, um, I would say we always, like if there's a hole where he's not sure what to do, 
We always mm. get all options. But again, he's going to hit way more drivers than any other player, simply because he's so straight with it and hits it quite long and he's confident with it. So it's like, it doesn't, if he hits three wood, it's simply because there's like either a bunker or a water hazard that comes in play that, that comes in play with driver and doesn't come in play with three wood. But then also the fairway needs to be wider. I mean, there has to be a number of things happening for Victor to hit three wood. Otherwise, it's just you know, driver getting close to the green and then time yeah. is there any Is there any surprising things that, like, that you have noticed that maybe we don't know about, about the, his approach and, uh, and his style of play or his golf game? Um, well, I think everyone speaks about, you know, how, how, you know, how he's not a good chipper, how his short game is not good enough. And I think, I agree, certain shots, obviously, he needs to improve. But there are certain areas in his short game that are already very, very good. It's just that sometimes it happens that he goes on certain courses where he's going to have to, you know, hit a few shots that he doesn't like. As soon as you miss the green, it's always a shot he doesn't like. And then, obviously, he's going to be exposed a bit more. Mm. But I don't think his short game is as good as people think it is. It just, I mean, when you think about it, he's losing, you know, 0.1 to 0.2 shots per round against the PGA Tour player. I mean, if he was very, very bad, he would lose a shot around. So it's like, and also the other thing to take into account is that when you look at shot link, especially in short game, it depends as well where you miss it. So, for example, mm. you know, going back to Bay Hill on 17, he missed it in a bunker plug yeah. on a down slope and hits a great <laughs> shot from there, but it, the ball goes 50 foot past the hole. Yeah. On shot link, that's, that's losing probably three quarters of a shot. But that golf shot itself from the bunker was actually a good, good bunker shot. So it, I have you always have to be careful with the numbers and just uh, you know sometimes they don't tell the the, the full story. And, uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's uh, it's also apart from Victor, you have a lot of other really good players. Fitzpatrick yeah. won the yeah. U.S. Open. Yeah. Uh, how is it to work with all the different players? Do you have to prepare differently for? For each player, of course, or, or is there a lot of similar things you, you use for for the, for the best players in the world? I think uh, each one of them is a little bit different. Uh, so, for example, um, I would say, so how can, yeah, I mean, for example, Fitzy, uh, Fitzy is like he does. He writes down everything himself. He he feels the stats himself. He does. You know, he's very. He likes to do it probably. So he spends a lot of time on it. But then I don't hear from him, like we speak basically every three months and I just present him like a, a quarterly report, what we call it, and mm. then tell him, right, you know, for these three months, you've been great off the tee, not so good with the wedges, you've been putting well on left to right, not so much on right to left, whatever. And then he goes away, digests information, works on it, and then in the next three months, I hear very little from him. Unless it's again some course management or like how should I play the 11th hole tomorrow or whatever. But right. apart from that, I don't hear from other players like who could be one of them, Rasmus Heuger, for example. Yeah. Uh, uh, I speak a lot with his coach, and, and sometimes it's like um, he's asking questions almost too much it's because it's, with the stats, it's, you also have to pay <laughs> attention not to over like look at them too often because it's there's going to be some noise there's going to be some movement 
every every point in time. And if you if you look at the stats after every round, it's like one day you putt poorly, next day you putt great, one day you chip poorly, next day you hit the driver well, you're just going to be confused. While yeah. I think the way Fitzy does is just fantastic because basically it takes, you know, three months of data where we know we have enough data to, to draw some solid conclusions yeah. and then just goes away and he focuses on a couple of areas and you're guaranteed, the unbelievable thing with Fitz is that you're guaranteed that once he focuses on shipping from the fairway, within either the next report in three months time, if not the next one in six months, shipping from the fairway is a strength. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's so difficult to do, but yeah. he's able to do it and that's why he's been progressing so well. Yeah, and I think for most... Uh... It's uh, really interesting stuff to hear, to hear with the other players as well. But for, for most uh, people back in Norway, uh, to just get get them a little to understand how you prepare for a tournament, because yeah. I think uh, maybe a lot of amateur golfers also can learn a little bit about yeah. the preparation yeah. going into it. Yeah. If we take a course like Augusta, which yeah. most people know yeah. and remember the holes, how would you prepare with Victor? Uh, before the tournament on that type of golf course? Yeah, so what we do there is um, we, we're going to tell him probably between a week, usually a week before, a week in advance, uh, we're going to tell him, right, you know, at Augusta, you're going to hit drivers, I know, 12 times a day, couple of three woods of the tee. Then you're going to have three wedges into the greens. You're going to have maybe four short irons. So just make sure you focus on those areas of the game, for example. Uh, you're going to chip a lot from the fairway at Augusta. There's no chip shots from the rough. So again, yeah. make sure you, you practice those and you're sharp on those. Um, so we give them like a, a little report ahead of the week about what needs to be doing well to play well at Augusta. And also mm. at like previous masters, stats from previous years, telling them, right, you know, usually the player that plays well here wins. He's doing, you know, he's putting great from mid-range. He's hitting his short and mid-irons really well. So just make sure those areas are, are firing. And then during the week, uh, what we do as well, we give them like for each pin, they have like the up and down percentages from various areas around the green. So yeah. for each pin, they know that, let's say, you know, the front left pin at the first, if they miss it in the left bunker, it might be 40% chance to get up and down. But if they miss it in the front right on the fringe, it's going to be 70% up and down. So they just know that they need to be careful with that bunker and you know they, they need to play away a little bit from the flag. Yeah. And then same thing off the tee, we would tell them, as I said before, we just tell them to suggest what they should play off the tee as well. So when they play practice round, they already know what they're supposed to be doing on Thursday. And they mm. just practice those play, they practice, you know, the cheap shots that they would be faced, they practice all. We just try and make everything more efficient and everything more similar as possible to the tournament. Yeah, would, would you also like give uh, a highlight, okay, these couple of holes you can, you have to like uh, understand that the par is good, these couple oh, yeah. of holes you can be more aggressive, like historically, will you say yeah. to him like par fives you have to take advantage of, etc., yeah. etc.? Yeah, yeah, we have like, a, for example, we give them scoring average for every hole. Yeah. Uh, we also have scoring average for every pin. So even yeah. on a certain hole, they will know that like that pin, we just play to make a par. That's great. We can gain shots on the field. Yeah. While another pin, maybe it's in a bowl or something. So we have to be a bit more aggressive if we can, if we're in position of the tee. 
Mm. So like there's a lot of a lot of info and then everyone digests it differently. So some guys will look more into again the t-shirts, some guys will look more into approach shows where to where to you know where to miss them, where to make birdies, but it's yeah, it's different for everyone, but they basically get all the same information, but then everyone uses different part of it. Yeah, with with uh, freshly in mind, we have of course he was close to winning on St Andrews. Uh, just to like ask there as well, how did you prepare him for for that quiz? We saw him use a lot of putter around the greens, which probably yeah. helped, gives him an advantage because he doesn't yeah. have to chip that much. But how did you prepare for for that week? Yeah, I mean it was uh, it was funny because we were both playing Scottish Open the week before, and then we both missed the cut unfortunately. And we were having dinner together on the Friday night, and I was flying home on Saturday night. And I asked him, I said, what are you doing tomorrow? And he goes, I'm going to go play St. Andrews. I'm like, oh, nice. I said, uh, have you played there before? And he goes, no, never, never. I said, no, I never played. And so he asked me, how many times have you played? And I'm, I must have played, without exaggerating, I must have played more than 100 rounds in my career. Yeah. So he goes, oh, so... Can you come and come and <laughs> <laughs> you know, My flight is at night. I don't want to practice because I've got a week off next week. Yeah. We can go. So we we walked 18 holes with him and Shay, and um, and I think it was a a little bit helpful to him just understanding, you know, showing him how much room there was of the tee, showing him a couple of options of the tee, um, you know just understanding you know how to play the golf course i mean you can't do much in one day but i think if the very first time you see st andrews you, you kind of someone that can guide you a little bit i think you know it, it was uh, it was surely a little bit of help and then yeah, what, uh, because what most people don't know as well is that when you walk around that, that saturday the week before the tournament you know pretty much where the pins are going to be as well yeah, we had the pins from the last Open in, in 2015, obviously. Yeah. Uh, which I want to say they used probably 75, 80% of them. So yeah. a lot of the pins, you know already where they are. Uh, and you can, especially on a golf course like St. Andrews, when it becomes very firm, there's like certain pins that are very accessible and other pins that it doesn't matter. You could have a shot from 100 yards from the fairway and you can't get close. So mm-hmm. just understanding you know, which pins you can take on, which pins you just take, you know, hit it 40 feet away and two pads and walk away. And I think it's, a, it's as you said before, it's a great golf course for Victor because uh, one, you have to be a good driver of the golf course at St. Andrews. Mm. Even if it's wide, it's a huge advantage if you can hit good tee shots down the right side of the fairway. And, and he's obviously very good at that. And also his leg putting is usually pretty good at St. Mm. Andrews. Right? Especially when it's windy and firm, you're going to have so many paths from 40, 50, 60 feet. Mm. Uh, you have to be good at that. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to hear because uh, we have we have so many people now following Victor. He's got like a fan club on Facebook with 25,000 members and cool. and people are people are going crazy back home, which is so much fun. Um, just uh, to finish it off, Farah, what can, what can amateur golfers uh gain from stats from like maybe collecting their own stats a little bit more and try to prepare a little bit more for for rounds what do you feel they can gain um i i think uh, you can probably understand better your game uh, what you what you know when obviously amateurs don't have a lot of time to go on the range and, and work on the game but if you know that whatever maybe you're struggling with the three wood but you're good with driver 
Well, first of all, when you go on the range, you might practice the three with a bit more. And secondly, when you're on the golf course, you're going to hit driver much more often and, and just don't rely on your three too much because you know it, the driver is way better. That would be yeah. just a, a very simple example. And then I think with, with course management, you know, anytime I play pro-am, I always see amateurs that I think they don't respect the, like the water hazard and the OB enough. So, I mean, some, if I was an amateur and I, and I know what I know now, as soon as I see OB, I just aim 60 meters away. Even if I'm in the rough on the other side, I'm still in play. OB mm. just, you know, two shots and then you're back on the tee and you got the OB staring at you again. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> so that's, uh, and same into the greens, like even into the greens sometimes, you know, we play for arm and the amateurs, you know, there's a pin five over water and you can tell them they're going straight at the pin. And it's like, well, you just... You know, you got a shot, you just hit it 15, 10, 15 meters past the pin. You try and two putt, you're going to make a par, worst case, bogey. But then you chunk it in the water and then you're looking at big numbers. So I think that, you know, the easiest way for amateurs to, to lower their scores is definitely playing more, not, not, so much, not necessarily playing three wood more often, but I think they should play driver, but just be much more respectful of OBs, water hazards, everything. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a way. Uh, of course, we put out on our Twitter that we're gonna have you on. So we got a, quite a lot of questions. I'm just gonna pick a couple of them. That's yeah. uh, I don't feel like we've mentioned too much. Uh, the first one is from a from a guy called Jergen who's wondering who is the biggest golf nerd, you, Victor, or Fitzpatrick? <laughs> I think uh, Fitzpatrick still wins the contest. <laughs> he wins the contest. Uh, there's another one from Andreas, and he says the last couple of years there's been a lot of focus on the on the gaining of like the driving distance and how much uh, that's been meaning. Uh, is this like transfer transferable to the amateur and the hobby golfers? Like, do, do they often also have to focus on hitting it as long as possible? I would say so. I would say yeah. distance is the number one skill in golf these days. Yeah. Uh, the only problem with that is that you have to be careful of not losing your dispersion too much. Yeah. Because if you, for example, Fitzpatrick was unbelievable in the fact that he gained nearly 20 yards in the last two years, but his dispersion is exactly the same as before. And obviously that means he's gaining a lot more shots of the tee. But yeah. if you gain 20 yards and you go from hitting 60% of fairways to hitting 35% of fairways, then it doesn't make any sense. Mm. So I think... You, yes, yes, it, you know, it's obviously very valuable and, and it's something that even amateurs should, uh, should, should chase, but you have to be a little bit careful as well. Yep. Last question, uh, Andreas, he felt like um, on, the, on, the last, on the back then of the Open on Sunday, he noticed that Victor hits a couple of more irons than he had yeah. done uh, yeah. earlier in the week. Was that any special reason for that? Was that just uh, something they adjusted on the day or was there... Was it planned to those pin locations? No, the the only one that was planned was on number six, where the pin was like on the front right. Yeah. Like Rory hit driver and he ended up maybe 30 yards from the green and he still had to putt. Yeah. And the thing is, Victor is a little bit shorter than Rory, so he would have ended up maybe 40, 50 yards from the green, 45 yards, and it would have been a very difficult shot. And again, we looked in the morning and players were making the exact same number of birdies from 40 yards and from 70 yards. So we just said, right, hit an iron and try and hit the wedge close, which he didn't do, unfortunately, but it was just a difficult hole to make a birdie. 
Yeah. And then I think he had a few more irons, like on nine. Uh, and then I think one more, which I can't remember. I, you know, I spoke with him and that wasn't planned. I think it was just uh, probably wasn't feeling very comfortable with the driver that day. Yeah. And and I think it was smart in the end because, you know, if you if you try and, and chase it too much and hit driver, you might end up doing a double or, or a triple or something and you finish 15th all of a sudden. Mm. While, you know, he didn't have his A game on Sunday, but he still finished top five in a major for the first time. So I'm, I'm yeah. still looking at the positives. I, th I think, you know, he, he wasn't coming off a period of, of top four. Uh, obviously, he was leading or co-leading for the first time in a major going into Sunday. Um, all in all, I think it was a, it was a good week and it's something that he, he, he will help him a lot in the future. Next time he's in contention, he'll be more comfortable, more ready to win. And I'm sure he's going he's gonna to win one very soon. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, it's been so great to have you on, Eduardo. I'm just going to finish on something that we've done with Shay and a couple of other other guests. We're trying yeah. to build. Uh, we're trying to build their dream golfers. So I'm going to say to you the different parts of the game, and I just want you to quickly the first name that comes to your mind. Uh, say the name you like want that player to to. Um, yeah. The, the player you think of. So yep. I'm going to start with the driver. Oh, driving is Victor. Hands down. <laughs> That's good to hear. Then I'm going to go to the long irons. Long irons, I'm going to go for Tiger. Tiger. Then I'm going to go short irons. Short irons, I'm going to go for Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth. Then I'm going to go wedge game. Wedge game, I'm going to go for Shane Lowry. Oh, That's interesting. Then we're going to go short game. Uh, short game, I'm going to go Brett Ramford. Oh, that's, a, that's a deep one. <laughs> <laughs> For most people don't know that he's, that's a pretty magician with his wedge. So I remember oh, watching him in Switzerland one year and I was like, this can't be possible. <laughs> it's a shame he doesn't play on tour anymore because every week when he was around in the GP Green, I would stand there 15 minutes yeah. and watch. I remember, I remember. Uh, then putting. And putting, um, putting, I'm going to say Matt Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. And then the last one, probably the most important, mental game. Mental game has to be Tiger, I think, hands down. Has to be Tiger. That's pretty good. Only two Tigers in there. That's a shame. <laughs> Went for Tiger quite a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Eduardo. Thank you so much for a great insight into both uh, statistic golf and and uh, Victor as well. So I uh, really, you. really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Marius. It's been a Thanks. pleasure. Yeah, hope to see you soon. And all yes. the best for this weekend in England. And uh, hopefully we can see your name on the top. Yeah, thank you so much. Speak Thanks, soon. Thanks, Eduardo. Speak Bye. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season i love the change of seasons but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather kleenex ultra soft tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin for this allergy 
allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.